Good. It was important to me that you knew in that very specific moment that A, I was very excited to hang out with you today, and B, that your hair is pretty. Vampire Vixens, and welcome back to Summer Twilight Book Club, the podcast where your two best friends read the worst book ever written at random intervals because the universe is trying to take them out. But fear not, we're back to give you more of that sweet vampire content that you crave. You know, I have to disagree with you about this being the worst book written because you did not actually join us in reading Pete Wentz's book Grey when you uh, do I make a compelling argument when I guessed it. Um, Sugar, we're going down podcasting recently, which you can listen to. It's basically this, except instead of Twilight, we're talking about Pete Wentz's book. And that is so, so bad. So here's the thing. And deeply upsetting because unlike Twilight, it's like basically autobiographical. Autobiographical. Yeah. So So every fucked up thing is also a real thing that occurred. I listened to the first 20 minutes of that episode because I was like, hey, these are all people that I love very much and also a band that I like. And I have some interest in hearing about Pete Wentz's literary stylings. And I got to tell you, I got 20 minutes into the episode and hearing about all of the things that happen in that book just in the first 20 minutes of the episode I was like I can't fucking do this I can't do it and I had to bail yeah I wanted to bail while reading it the whole time (laughs) I was like do I love these two people enough to finish reading this book like I I was like this is the bad place much like reading Twilight it sounds as though reading a novel written by Pete Wentz was simply a test of endurance. God, it was, it was fuck. I like was just texting Chris the entire time, just being like, "I want to die. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me." No, it's like it like, and a lot of bad, bad things have happened to me, but this is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that's that that's a um a strong anyway, yeah. Judgment. So, um, some other things that have happened in addition to guesting on uh. Rest- uh, show we're going to podcasting is I am super tired today. Oh, also, we didn't introduce ourselves. I'm Kat. I use they, them pronouns. I'm Sahana. I use she, her pronouns. You can tell that we have prepared really well for this episode. <laughs> yeah, in my defense, I just got back from the Orange Groves uh, Extra Life. The Orange Groves being our podcast network and Extra Life being a fundraiser for, um, in our case, Beaumont Children's Hospital. Um, so I... <laughs> Uh, if you don't know what Extra Life is, uh, you stream video games for 24 hours to raise money for charity. And so I didn't stay up the whole 24 hours, but I'm certainly fucking sleepy. Um, I played, uh, I personally played Katamari. Uh, and the best I, game. Yes. And then in the middle of the night, I played The Sims uh, with Riley. And uh, we didn't get very far. Uh, we made a vamp. <laughs> we had a elderly alien whose daughter was a vampire who I turned off free will because she wouldn't go drink the blood of a celebrity but then I forgot that she would get burned up in the sun and so then she drank the celebrity blood but then she was so busy trying to get an autograph and trying to get a hug and take a picture with her that she died and then her Wait, so mom- she drank the celebrity's blood but the celebrity was still alive also which celebrity's blood was she drinking important well, information I compelled her for a small drink not uh, a large one. So she was still alive. 
Um, and I don't know, some sim celebrity, not like a, it's just like one that just. No, but I'm of... asking you canonically, which celebrity was it? Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna go, um, I'm trying to think of like what she looked like. Um, I want to say Jessica Lang. Like, okay. that's okay. what she, that's kind of what she looked like. Um, it feels like it would work in this. In this yeah, so she drank Jessica Lang's blood and then died, and then, um, then the 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 sword lesbian alien mom just sad, or just swam sad laps in the pool, uh, <laughs> and that's how we ended that stream. So that, that was good. Fine. That seems pretty on brand for you. Yeah, and, and your uh, Sims ventures. Yeah, but also during that we did a live um, interstitial um, recording. Um, which will be released in the interstitial uh, AP uh, feed. So uh, I didn't actually play. I was just a live studio audience. Um, but it does technically mean that I have now guested on interstitial and Sugar We're Going On Podcasting, which means that Cat on Cast is going fucking strong. Yeah. Hashtag Cat on Cast. I want to be in every podcast. If you have a podcast, have Cat on as a guest. Please, I'm pretty good at it. Um, I also, I also finally guessed it on 294 Note Streak. I didn't even think about that. Amazing. Hashtag uh, hat on cast. Yes. So the last three episodes, uh, two of which have not come out yet, time of recording this, will have me on them. Uh, I actually was the one who got to make the final decision in the whole, <laughs> in the whole thing. So good. Um, I would ask what it is, but I don't want you to give it away. So yeah, I wasn't even like I honestly didn't care about either of the songs. <laughs> so I was just like. I was like, here you go. And also, who gives a fuck? Done. Eh, again, killed it. on brand for you. <laughs> anyway, um, so one last thing before we get into our actual podcast, which is a thing that we do. Um, <laughs> huge thank you to Faye for being a patron. Uh, Yay, she's Faye. one of our yeah, she's one of our ten dollar patrons, um, and also a super cool person in general. And I'm not just saying that because she always likes the Riverdale tweets, <laughs> um, which actually. I'll get back to how you're great, Faye, but real quick, what what point, Martin and I were watching Riverdale together before Extra Life, and then I, I had this thought that has been just killing me ever since. Oh, At what please, point sure. do you think, canonically, Alice started working with the FBI? And the reason I ask is because she just gave all those orphans to the farm. Yeah, she sure did. There's like a there's like a bunch of fucked up shit that she does where I'm like, does the FBI know that she was like, yeah, you can have my infant grandchildren? Like, wh- well, like how many? <laughs> I know that that got added later. Like, I think because Matt Dynamic was like, everyone hates me. Fucking fix it. Um, but still, though, canonically, she gave a shit ton of orphans to an organ farm, uh, yeah. which seems like a lot of collateral damage. Yep. And they're also and, never like, heard from again. Which, which presumably because the they were butchered right, by Chad like, Michael did Murray. She kn- <laughs> I saw, oh my god, I have not watched any of this season of Riverdale yet, god. but I was scrolling through the CW app um, on my Roku, and I did see a still of Chad Michael Murray in what appears to be like an Elton John cosplay. I sent you the picture of that, of him in the rocket. Did you? I probably blocked it out. I said it in our group chat. Yeah. Yeah. There is no there is no A plot this season. 
The four just have completely separate plot lines that are barely, they're, like, not crossing over almost at all. Like, I cannot find a discernible, like, they kind of had one, they made reference to something, and then just dropped it, and I have no idea if it's gonna come back or not. I mean, that's, that's, like, all of Riverdale, right? It's B-plots that get dropped, but there's just no No, but the A-plot got dropped. Like, they had something that seemed like it was going to be the A-plot, and they didn't, they haven't brought it back up. I don't know if it's still happening. It's like if they had mentioned the Black Hood and they just didn't talk about the Black Hood for several episodes or reference it at all. And it's just like... Um, I don't... I Listen, every with every progressing season of Riverdale, I ask myself, why? For what? You know, for <laughs> whom? For whom is this show being made? For me, and specifically. The, and the answer is, yeah, it's for you specifically. But you know what? If Supernatural had one trillion seasons, then oh Riverdale God. needs to have one trillion do you seasons think, as well. Do you think that Riverdale is going to go on as long as Supernatural? No, but I think it'll go on for a while. I think it'll go on at least a few more seasons. God, we can all hope. What's going to happen when they go to college? Like... Oh, they're just never going to go to college. Do you think they're just suddenly what going to be a Riverdale College when they... they went to college? What? What happened in Gossip Girl when they went to college? I never... Did I watch that far? But Gossip Girl, that's easy because they live in the fucking city. Like, there are lots of colleges there. They can all go to college and go to different colleges and still hang they're out. Just, they're just all, all going to go to Riverdale Community College. There's definitely going to be, a, like, a Riverdale University that they never mentioned before, but now suddenly <laughs> is very prestigious and exists. <laughs> Oh my god! No, but it's like not Jughead, be... but like Jughead's gonna go to Columbia. <laughs> it's not gonna be Riverdale University. It's gonna be like one of their like knockoff names, like Share B and B. Like it's gonna be like no. Vale University. No, I think it'll be like I think it'll be you know how like they named the penitentiary at Leopold and Loeb Penitentiary Loeb. I because sure as we do all know, know how they named Leopold and Loeb. Yeah, it's gonna be like Albert Einstein University or like. <laughs> Or, like, Bill Gates University. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. That's truly amazing. Archie better not go to college. <laughs> Archie would be so bad at college. He's busy. He's really he bad. I just think center. Archie would be really bad at college. Anyways, what? I'm just, you gotta watch this season. I can't wait for you to watch it. Anyways, back to Faye. Uh, Who's a genuinely uh, fun and lovely person uh, to talk to. And you should all follow her on Twitter at Valentine's underscore Faye. Uh, if you like gay stuff and shit posting, which I'm guessing most of our listeners do, then you should definitely give her a follow. Thank you so much I feel for helping like me. Gay us- stuff and shit posting is basically our entire brand as a podcast. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for helping us make this show. It really is special to us. You are wonderful. Um, Yay, so now, thanks, Faye. so now that we're like several, like quite a bit in, let's go into this previous chapter summary. So, yeah, let's um, can we, can you explain to our lovely listeners what the fuck is happening in the world of Twilight? I can certainly do my best. So I don't want to try to cover everything, but here's what I think. Uh, it's just like the bare bones, of what you need to know. So we're on the second book right now, New Moon, and we're pretty close to the end. I actually meant Thank to God. put in the chapter titles um, for the last few chapters, but I don't have my book with me, so whatever. Um, I have mine. Okay, well, when we get to the end, we can discuss the, 
the names of the next chapters. Um, but anyways, um, at the start of this book, Edward and Bella, and Edward, if you don't know this somehow, is a vampire. Um, Edward and Bella broke up, and Edward fucked off to somewhere, I don't know. Uh, Bella started doing reckless shit because she just, like, couldn't handle her emotions about the breakup and one of well, the she, things- Well, she- she dissociated We don't need to give into all of that. It's not relevant anymore. That's, that's honestly fair. I've literally put in only the relevant details. <laughs> you know, that's um, probably fair. Yeah. So, one of those things was spontaneously going cliff diving. Um, so- Bella nearly drowned after spontaneously going cliff diving, uh, but was saved by her best friend and enemy of vampires, Jacob Black, who also is a shapeshifter who turns into a wolf. Yeah, man's um, best friend, Jacob Black. Yeah. So Alice, who is Edward's sister and who has future vision powers and also is a vampire, she's not like really Edward's sister, uh, but they live in a weird little vampire family, um, saw a vision of Bella jumping off the cliff. And because her power doesn't work on werewolves, she didn't see Bella getting saved. She mentioned the vision to their other sister, Rosalie, who's a little fucking bitch. Cool. And uh, Rosalie immediately told Edward before even waiting to see if it was true or not. So Edward, totally distraught at Bella dying, goes to Italy to petition the vampire overlords, the Volturi. Uh, he's like, hey, will you kill me? I don't want to live anymore. And they're like, Nah, bro. We probably will not do that, actually. Um, so Alice shows up in Forks, uh, where Bella lives, and finds out that Bella is actually fucking alive, and finds out that Edward, um, that's when Alice finds out that Edward thinks she is dead, and her and Bella just, like, up and fucking leave and go to Italy to save Edward. Cause, so yeah, there, cause yeah, it's, that's, you know, the logical thing to do in this situation. Yeah, 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 it's great. Um, and it's definitely not dangerous at all. So, um, they get to Italy, Alice steals a car, they run through a red flag cop festival, um, <laughs> and they stop Edward from stepping into, well, Bella stops Edward from stepping into the sunlight in front of a bunch of humans, therefore exposing his sparkly, beautiful skin and himself as a vampire, which you cannot do in general, but especially not in the city of Volterra where the Volturi live, um, because they definitely would have taken him out. Um, so then Felix, Dimitri, and Jane, who are part of the Volturi, show up and they have a little vocal tiff with Edward and Alice eventually shows up and is like, whatever, and they have a <laughs> yeah, thing. Just like and they're that. all like, hey, can we go take this uh, inside? And they're like, no. And they're like, can we just go take it inside though? And they're like, no. But then they do eventually go and they go through a creepy underground tunnel and it leads to some door and they open the door and Bella's like, oh, I feel at ease now, but Edward's still tense. And that's where it ended. That's it. So, chapter 21. Called Verdict. Yes, it is called Verdict. So, it picks up right where the last chapter left off, which again makes me ask about Stephanie Meyer's relationship to pacing, but that's a discussion for another time. Um, Well, at least this time it makes sense to pick up exactly where you left off, unlike where it's like, Bella was brushing her teeth and went to bed. Bella woke up and brushed her teeth and then got dressed. Like, this bitch loves to brush her teeth. She so does. She, she loves to brush her teeth. Oral hygiene for Isabella Swan. Um, okay, so Bella, Edward, Alice, and the members of the Volturi guard, they're part of the Volturi guard, they walk through this like long hallway, they walk into an elevator that takes them into some kind of like Volturi headquarters. Um, and Bella notices that Edward is really tense and seems to be particularly unsettled by Jane. She's like, he keeps because looking aren't, at her. Yeah, aren't we all unsettled by Dakota Fanning? I <laughs> would think so. Um, so they walk into some kind of, like, weird 
reception area. I don't know. The way it's described makes it sound like the lobby of a Hilton hotel. Yeah, the Uh, first way they describe this when they open up the door is like, oh, it's just like a hallway with like kind of gray carpeting and like off-white walls and there's an elevator at the end of the hallway. And for some reason that bothered me more than anything. I was like, there's an elevator after you get yeah, this creepy- like there's an elevator in the castle, and like what kind of elevator is it? One of those like scary elevators that has like a like a gate that closes. I took it, it like as a just a plain ass elevator. I took it as a. She described it as looking like an office building. Yeah, well, because yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like when they when they exit the elevator and walk into this reception area, it literally sounds like a fucking like check in desk at a Hilton. Yeah. He literally says that, basically. He's literally like, walking into this reception area. I'm with, sorry. Like, super... You mean with the Hyatt? Oh, with the Hyatt. I'm so sorry. How could I have forgotten? They're at oh. a Hyatt. Canonically, Volturi headquarters is just a Hyatt. Um, so they, like, walk in. There's this super bougie, like, carpeting and, like, a mahogany desk. And also, um, Bella says that... There are common rectangular fluorescent lights spaced evenly along the ceiling, which begs the question, is this an intentional choice by the Volturi lighting designers to explain away any changes in yeah. color? <laughs> That's very good. And also, I why would you have this, like, fancy-looking, like, bougie reception area and then have, like, that, like, real shitty school room, Yeah, like, school like, fluorescent, fluorescent lighting. My god. Okay, uh, some additional questions about Volturi headquarters. Why do they have a poorly decorated corporate office? Why does the corporate office have a human receptionist? Why is the human receptionist the only person of color in this entire office? Yeah. Like, um, well, I had a lot of questions about this, too. First of all, I also looked it up. I looked up to see if this person was in the movie to see if she was played by a person of color in the movie, and she's not. She's barely, of course not. She's only in, like, a I think she's only in a scene for like a second that's not even in the like theatrical release, but she's definitely white. She's just described she's described as dark skinned, I believe, in the Yeah, dark skinned, which honestly, knowing Stephanie Meyer could mean literally anything. Yeah, um, but, but I'm um, gonna what, I'm yeah. going to call out that it feels like an intentional choice that the service worker in this scene is described as having dark skin. Stephanie Meyer, yeah. you owe me reparations. But okay. What I thought was um <sighs> confusing to me and that I I put in my notes, but I don't think I put it in here, is, is there an explanation of, like, what the humans think that this building, this, like, castle is? Like, well, so it, in the, there is, like, a bit of explanation in the next chapter, and we'll get to it, but it doesn't feel satisfactory. Do you mean, like, the humans that are associated no, with the not the humans who work the there. other humans? Like, like, not the humans who work oh. there. Like, the humans who, like, live in the town and stuff. Like, oh, they I have don't a human know. I don't know if they think it's just, like... I have they, no idea. If they have a yeah, human receptionist, think... it, to me, it means that there must be humans who come there sometimes, and the human receptionist is to, like, provide cover. Be a the, decoy, right. Because why would you need a the receptionist? The Volturi have lived there for hundreds of years, and they can't just show their faces because people right. would be like, hey, you're the same fucker who's been here for hundreds of years. <laughs> so, like, uh, so they have to have human receptionists who, like, are different people. But then I want to know, so what is it that this is, like, what is, like, the what men in black is their version front? of what this is? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, what's their front? Like, what, what, they have a corporate office. Like, what business are they, are they running? It's also, like, a castle 
but it looks like an office building. And like, I want to talk to the architect of this place because like one from one, it'll be like walking down the hallway and you're like, oh, do, 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 this is an office building. And then you're like, oh, stone dungeon. Cool. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that looks they, like, logically walked there. through a stone dungeon to the elevator, which took them into the lobby of the Hyatt. I, I like Bobby Burke would be horrified. Um, Anyways. Okay. Also, hilariously, Bella indicates in her narration that this receptionist is human only by explaining that she's not as hot as the vampires. She's like, she'd be hot anywhere else, but not here. But here she's not hot, which must mean that she's human. Because she, I think she even says, like, as human as me or some shit. It is what she says, yeah. Also, um, one of the vampires winks at the receptionist and she giggles and it's gross and I hate it. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. One additional observation. Speaking of people of color, sort of. We get, like, so we we had this question um, in the last book about complexion versus the pallor of death, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so we get a little bit of an answer in that, like, when Bella's in the elevator with Felix and Dimitri, she says that both of them have a quote-unquote olive complexion. So, like, my assumption is that Stephanie Meyer is aiming to explain, like, traditional sort of, like, olive-skinned Mediterranean complexion because they're in Italy. Mm-hmm. But Bella says that their complexion looks weird in contrast to the chalkiness that comes with being, like, an undead vampire. So presumably, when somebody gets turned into a vampire, they maintain their skin color, but they just look kind of dusty. So, like, they <laughs> just use, like, foundation two shades too light. I think it's a lot more than two shades too light. I took it more like, um, like if you're staring at a wall that you're like, is that white? Is that not white? I can't. Is there tint in that? Is it the fluorescence? I'm not sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, okay, so do they they're look still like, like really so fucking say, pale? I just think it looks like they're like kind of ill. Like, it, to make me look like a vampire in Stephanie Meyer's world, I think it's just like you if with white I face took on. your color of foundation and like mixed it with a little bit of like tinted moisturizer and then put it all over my face, but my normal skin color was still showing through, is that I, what it would look I like? I think for me it's to be like a vampire? taking my color foundation and just putting it on your face. Like, you're you're still doing white face, just doing white face, and your skin tone still kind of shows through a little bit because foundation <laughs> isn't like perfect. Like 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 one layer of foundation that's your color of skin. So I think it's, like, yes. still moderately translucent. Um, and I do all, use the lightest color foundation, so that would be all very vampires, fitting for the vampires. All vampires of color are doing white face canon. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I pictured. That's what I pictured growing up too. And judging by this description, that's what I think is happening. Oh it's my just god! Like everyone has the same color foundation on. <laughs> oh, and like powder. Man. What happens next? Anyways, um, so they walk through another set of doors and find yet another vampire child named Alec, uh, who congratulates Jane for coming back with two and a half. Um, unclear what he's referring to and why Bella be considered half, but I assume because like I don't know. But like at first, oh, <laughs> yeah, like so. Okay, when I was yeah. reading this at first, I thought he meant Alice because she's small, and then I was like, that doesn't seem right. And also, he's looking at Bella when he says a half. Yeah, no, I assumed it. I mean, I always got that it was Bella, but I did think it was, un- I also thought it was unclear why, like, half, because, like, what is their purpose of being there? Like, I, I don't, do I still get how understand. she'd be considered a half. I would think, like, 
I don't know. That was really an odd statement. Because she's not half a vampire. She's just a... I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. Um, but Felix calls dibs on Bella, which I found fucking hilarious, uh, but ever does not, uh, because he's not fucking, uh, funny. Um, no. he has no sense of humor. No. Um, and Alice has to calm him down, of course. Um, so Jane and Alec lead everyone down yet another long hallway, uh, which is still, like, office building-y, presumably to meet with Arrow. Is that how you say it? That's how I say it. I think it's Arrow. I've been pronouncing it in my okay, brain as Arrow. Um, they go through a secret door in the middle of the hallway somewhere, and it goes into, you know, from office building to a circular stone antechamber, um, lined, uh, with chairs, with a moon door-style hole in the middle of the floor, which I can only imagine is for draining blood. Um, well, I think I did not think that that's what it was for. That makes a lot of sense. I assumed it was because, like, they, they obviously drink as much of the blood as they can, but, like, some of it's gonna get out and they don't want a fucking mess. In their fucking hangout room. You don't um, think that one of the Volturi children, like, mops up the blood off the floor? They, they just, like, let it shit. drain out the, the humans, hole? The humans, Gianni does that for sure. Oh, yeah. They make her mop the blood up. Um, so Bella notices there are already some people hanging out in the room, and Bella describes the first one, um, to speak, who we learn is Arrow, um, as having translucent onion skin and milky red eyes. <laughs> it's really bad. Those she are does, the words yeah. that she uses. Yeah, she is, like, he's kind of not hot, like the other vampires. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like she's trying to say he's too decrepit to be hot. <laughs> she's, like, yeah, she's, like, his, she literally's like, his features are, like, technically perfect, I guess, but, like, but he's uh, like, his skin is just fucking weird. So, hilariously, um, the description that she gives made me think of the shame wizard from Big Mouth. God, I didn't think that at all. But I also was just thinking, I haven't seen the movies, but I do know that um, Michael Jim plays him. So I was just picturing him the entire time, which was helpful. But one thing, okay, I, we're going to get to this later, maybe. or Actually, we're going to get to this in a second. I'll just mention it then. Um, but also, when I got to Arrow, okay, I don't know what you thought, but Arrow to me was one of the first interesting characters we've been introduced to in a while because he's oh, one of yes. the first people with like a personality. Yeah. Um, and so I literally in my notes put in that picture of Gordon Ramsay that's like delicious, finally some good fucking food. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I was just like, oh, Arrow actually makes me want to read this and not be bored out of my fucking skull. I th- okay, so you texted me a couple of days ago to be like, oh, chapter 21 is the first chapter that I've read in a while that was actually enjoyable to read. And I agree because I feel like there's actual interesting like character and plot development that happens in this chapter that doesn't happen anywhere else. Stuff but- happens. It's not yes. just Bella being like, I'm sad and horny. It's <laughs> like, I'm I'm scared, horny, and also there's stuff going on. It's, like, a lot less of Bella's thoughts and a lot more of, like, things actually occurring. Like, it's just mostly dialogue, which normally dialogue with uh, Stephanie Meyer is terrible. But, like, Arrow's just kind of funny. Like, um, so anyways, Arrow sends Felix to fetch his brothers and talks to Edward and Alice, um, anyways, who's almost, like, collegial. Uh, he tells Edward that he's better off for not having gotten what he wanted yesterday because, like, now we can all hang out. Um... And like, says, look, like, Bella's don't alive. You love a happy ending. Or yeah, he's like, like look, Bella's alive. I love again, like I again, I haven't seen the movie, but I can, I again, I'm familiar with the actor, so I can just picture how he's saying all of this, at least in my head, and I'm kind of into it. And I'm excited to watch. Um, 
So he makes mention of Alice's future sight, because uh, he's like all horny for powers. Uh, not like in a not like in a way where like villains usually are, where they're like, "Oh, I must steal it." He's like, "Hey, what if you join my gang? It'd be really neat. I think it'd be really cool if you did." Um, but anyways, so when Alice seems confused as to how he knows so much about her, Edward explains that Arrow has similar mind-reading abilities to Edward's, um, but unlike him, Arrow has to have physical contact with someone in order to read their thoughts. Um, but once he does, he can hear every thought your mind has ever had. Um, but Arrow is really jealous, and uh, not really jealous, that implies, like, a, a different tone. But, like, he's pretty bummed uh, that he doesn't have the much more convenient power of Edwards where he can hear thoughts from a distance. Right. So Felix comes back uh, with two other like shriveled old men. Um, Bella recognizes them as Marcus and Caius. And the only difference between them is that one has dark hair and one has white hair. Okay. This is what I wanted to talk about. Have you, do you know what Caius looks like in the movies? Like you've seen them, right? Look up Caius right now. I have not seen, I've only seen, um, I've only seen the first movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Look up Caius. It doesn't match the description of him at all. All Alright, hold on. They just made, like, all of the vampires super young in the movie, I feel like. He looks like Draco Malfoy, almost. what? He looks like an alien and Draco Malfoy had a child. Wait, where do I know this man from? I don't know. Jamie Campbell Bower. Oh my god, he is in Sweeney Todd. But he does not look at all what I pictured Caius to no, look like. No, he's like I not pictured a Caius old being, man with white hair. I pictured Caius as being like like when he was killed in his like 40s or something. Yeah. And now he's just like a vampire who's been around for a really long time. This is a child. Oh, this is, he's, he's Grindelwald. That's where I know that him is, from. You're absolutely correct. That now that you say that. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, IMDb. Um, that's really wild. That is not what Caius looks like. Okay, so yeah, so Caius is supposed to have like wispy white hair. Um, Bella recognizes Marcus and Caius from the painting that she saw in Carlisle's study in the first book. So Marcus briefly extends his palm so that Aro can read his thoughts. Arrow? Aro? I'm still going with Arrow, unless Arrow. Okay. different. Okay, so so Arrow like touches his hand. To read his thoughts, um, and seems amazed, and everyone's like, "What the fuck is going on?" And Edward explains to Bella that Marcus, and I quote, sees relationships, and oh, that he and Arrow. This. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got some questions. So Marcus sees relationships, and Marcus and Arrow are surprised by the intensity of Edward and Bella's relationship. So fine, whatever to that. But pause for a moment. What the fuck does it mean to see relationships? Like, is Marcus just able to, like, look around a room and understand how everyone in a room is related to each other? I'm not gonna answer. Ask me all your questions because I I actually looked this up when I was reading. Oh, okay, okay. So that's, so, okay, so I'm excited that you actually have an answer. But can you imagine if that, well, tell me first how the power works because my question is would this be useful in real life social situations? Because can you imagine if the power is actually that he can just like look around the room and know how everybody is related to each other or what their relationship is to each other? Like it would be so useful in social situations in real life to have this Mm -hmm. power. Like you would never again accidentally sleep with someone's ex or make out with a dude who's actually trying to get you to have a threesome with his wife ever again. Not that either (laughs) of those things has happened to us. 
Ever. <laughs> of course not. Neither one of us has had any of those experiences. Um, so, okay, so this part I looked up because when I read it, I was like, I'm sure we're going to get more information about this power, but I'm incredibly impatient. I don't want to wait three books to find out. Yeah. So I looked it up and I have to say, this is the most thoughtful and like interesting that Stephanie Meyer has ever been. And I actually think this is a fucking astounding power. Okay, so I'm just going to read a quote. I'm, so I'm going to read a, a quote from Stephanie Meyer. Okay. Marcus's gift is actually quite valuable in the hands of someone who knows how to use it. For example, imagine Marcus on the battlefield. He sees the binding ties between the enemy, uh, between the guard, wait, I feel like I wrote this wrong, between the enemy the guard faces. No, that's correct. Okay. Sorry. Um, he can tell you who the leader is just by watching the way the others are tied to him or her. He can see how to destroy the resistance simply by picking off a few key people. He doesn't just see romantic relationships, but also ties of family and friends, loyalty and devotion. He can tell if any given person would die for another. Off the field Whoa. of battle, as Volturi rarely leave their home, Marcus's gift is valuable politically, for lack of a better word. It's an amazing gift in a diplomatic situation. Plus, when you're sitting on an empire, it's nice to be able to see when someone's loyalty starts wavering. Or if anyone is getting too fond of anyone else. Can you see the potential now? Marcus didn't get where he is with some fluff skill. Damn. It's actually a fucking really cool power. You know, Marcus, I can't believe this is my initial thought. Marcus would be great at Survivor. Marcus would be so good at Survivor. Marcus would be so good at Survivor. Marcus would fucking kick Richard's ass. Like, um. Oh, God. He would be so. God, you're right. God. Um, fucking, uh, are you the one? Fucking. Oh, my God. Oh, he would fucking crush. They would be done. They would be done in one, uh, matchup ceremony. Be amazing. Marcus would be yeah, Marcus should go on some fucking reality shows. But um no, that's actually like that's actually like a super interesting and cool power. Like when I read yes. that and I read her Stephanie Meyer talk about it, I was like, damn, like that's actually like respect. Like that's interesting. It's much more in- it's my favorite power so far by far, because yes. the other powers it, like, it are is good the powers, one but that, they're like, ones I've heard of, you know. Right. And frankly, it's the one that seems the most practically useful in real life. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really astounding. Like, I, I, I actually like now Marcus is like favorite character because of that alone. Like, not really. Arrow's now my favorite character. Um, but, um, which makes sense because I see a ton of fan fiction when I'm looking up fanfic, uh, with Arrow, and I was kind of like, why do people care about Volturi so much? But now I kind of get it. So it's because they're the only ones who have any like interesting or compelling character motive. Like, I think that's why this chapter is so interesting it's because you don't immediately recognize what arrow's motive is right? i still like, don't he's really like, know what arrow's motive is well like, yeah like he's like weird and complex because you're really you he like i feel like it's set up so that you assume that his only motive is to make sure that the vampires are not exposed in volterra mm-hmm. but as the chapter goes on it's like he doesn't actually seem to wish harm on anybody he like just is sort of, like, curious about things. And so you're like, what the fuck is this man's motive? And it keeps you interested in this chapter. What I think is really cool about the Volturi and the way that they're written so far, at least, at least the the main three, is that I was kind of... Okay, so you, you have Edward and Alice and, and, like, Carlisle and stuff who are... Some of them, okay, maybe more so Carlisle and less so Edward and Alice because they're not that much older than the human lifespan, but, like, Carlisle's much older than the human lifespan. But 
you don't really get the sense of like I've been alive for hundreds of years from Carlisle. Yes. He kind of just seems like a regular dad. Like he seems older than twenty three, which is like how old his body would be. But he doesn't seem like I've seen hundreds of years of whatever. The Volturi have strange personalities. Which, which I feel like makes more sense for having been alive for like 400 fucking years. Or much longer, I think, in their case. So like, yeah. So Arrow is like such a kind of weird dude, but I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. You've been alive for hundreds of years. You're not impatient. Like, you know, like I feel like a lot of times they put all these vampires like super impatient, which makes mm-hmm. no sense to me. I would think they'd be incredibly patient. Right. Because, That's what like, I think about Edward all the time in the way that he like is so reactive and like snappy and controlling with Bella. And I'm like, you've been alive for literally ever. Like, why do you not have more tolerance for these things? But it's yeah. because he's a petulant child. Anyway, what happens next? So Arrow uh, says that he's shocked and puzzled that Ever can resist the temptation of Bella's blood, especially now that he's smelled her through his memories. Uh, which, quick note, it's truly fucking wild. Um, but he says that he doesn't understand how Ever could waste such a gift. Um, the gift being Bella. Is it Bella's, Bella's like blood? super tasty blood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, super super tasty sexy blood. Um, Human juice box, Bella's wine. Yeah. And praises his uh, restraint and self-control. Um, and he also mentions that he's pleased to see that um, his friend Carlisle, which is how he always refers to him, and I think it's very adorable. He's like, yep. oh, say hello to my friend Carlisle. Oh, goody, you can go back to my friend Carlisle. <laughs> like, um, he's like, pleased to see that his friend Carlisle is doing well on his unorthodox path and that he expected him to essentially fail and waste away, but he's pleasantly surprised that he didn't. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's like nice that things are going well for him. So... And then Arrow's like, cute. I love Arrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just like I. He just seems kind of like a. Out of all of the people in this franchise so far, Arrow seems the one who is the most sort of like a normal person with normal motives. Like, I mean, he's definitely not normal in any way, but like, right. But like, he is like an undead of, vampire. Yeah. But like for the context of who he is in his yes. life and being the ruler. Of all vampires, he like it seems like yeah that's why yeah okay I buy yeah, it good. yeah I'm glad he's doing good anyway so Arrow, um he's talking to Edward and he's like I have a question for Bella but he directs the question to Edward and Edward's like ask her which feels wildly out of character for Edward honestly mm-hmm. like I read that and I was like oh fuck this is the first time maybe in the entire series that Edward has shown any regard for Bella's autonomy. Like, in any other situation, Edward is so quick to, like, make decisions for her, mm-hmm. um, like, assuming that he knows what's best for her. And th- so this seems really weird to me that Arrow's like, I have a question for Bella. And Edward's like, you should ask her your question. She's right there. Anyway, so Arrow says that he's curious to see if Bella is an, ex- is an exception to his talents as well. Because um, for folks that don't remember, Bella's the only one whose mind that Edward can't read. And so Arrow wants to see if the same thing is true for him. Um, and Bella agrees mostly out of fear. She says she feels like she doesn't really have a choice. Um, Edward encourages her, but she's like, I don't know if Edward is encouraging me because it's fine or because he doesn't want us to die. So anyway, Arrow touches her hand and his facial expression and reaction like immediately confirm that he can't access Bella's thoughts either. 
So then Arrow wonders out loud if Belle is immune to all of the vampires' powers, and he calls on Jane, and as soon as he does that, Edward totally loses his shit, and he starts, like, snarling while everybody else looks at him, and I quote, as if he were committing some embarrassing social faux pas. I would also consider it snarling at someone an embarrassing social yeah, faux pas. Yeah, I would agree with that, yes. Bella seems so confused that everyone is looking at him like he's fucking bananas, and I'm like, no, he's, like, snarling. Yeah, so then, and also, like, you're in front of the most powerful vampires in the world. Like, what are you gonna do? Take them all out. So, yeah. uh, ever since uh, Edward Bellin. No Shell Cullen. <laughs> yeah, God. Sorry, I just want to talk about Cheryl now, but, anyways. Um, so, can you imagine? I made a joke, actually, in my notes about how Alec and. Right. Alec and Jane walked. Are, are just, um, Cheryl and Jason? No, I was like, let me find. Um,. I said Alec and okay because I said Alec and Jane holding hands and I said Alec and Jane walked and held hands so Cheryl and Jason could run away and fake deaths um <laughs> but anyways so Ever steps in front of Bella and Jane starts to move towards them and Ever launches himself at her but like seconds he's on the ground writhing in pain um so Bella finally puts together that this is Jane's gift the reason everyone seems to be uh so fucking freaked out by her because her power is just like the Cruciatus curse um yes and Bella, literally the same connection that I made in my brain. Like, oh, yeah. she just can, like, cast Crucio with her brain. Yeah, like, they never explicitly say exactly what kind of, They don't say much, any details about it, which I kind of appreciate. They're not being like, yeah, so I just felt a burning pain. Or, like, you know, like, ah, I just had a really bad UTI all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> her power is to give me kidney stones. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I feel like... I, if given the power to give somebody a UTI, like, that's a, that's a curse that I would use responsibly, but man, there are some people that I wish I could give a UTI to. If you were alive for a hundred years, you would not use it responsibly at all. You would just be like, you have UTI, you have UTI, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. That's <laughs> probably uh, Well, okay, so, like, so, there are, <laughs> there are, like, when people have wronged me, but in ways that are, like, not... They're not, they haven't caused me, like, active harm, but they've been, like, marginally shitty. I, like, think about what petty curses I want to lay on them. And so, like, one of my favorite ones is, like, I hope that your bed is always full of crumbs. Or, like, I hope that you always miss the bus by two seconds. Um, but I feel like I hope you get a UTI is, like, a good one. It's good. So Bella tries to run uh, to Edward and Alice is, like, don't move. Don't forget. We're still playing. Um. Sorry, I just... <laughs> um, but realistically, she just actually holds her back. Um, in, and eventually, in the game Edward of Wizards, up... Jesse Weaver, winner, you die. Eventually, <laughs> Edward gets up horrified. Yeah, I was kind of laughing at this. I was like, "Damn, Robert Pattinson's always getting Cursiana's curse put on him, or killing curse, or whatever." Sucks. Um, but so, uh, yeah, he gets up. He's a little horrified, but then he kind of just like shakes it off and. Alice is like, don't worry, he's fine now. Which I guess also would be similar to the Cruciatus Curse unless they kept doing it forever and then, you know. Um, But anyways, so um, Jane tries to do it to Bella and she has no success and Ariel's like, oh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And Jane's like... just giggle. Like, it's literally written out in the text as ha ha ha. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Jane's like pissed and he's like, don't worry, none of us could do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I couldn't do it either, Jane. No matter. Anyways. Um, so, 
Yeah. I I'm wish you all could see that when Kat talks about, like, when Kat is saying things that Arrow says, they're, like, they're, like, holding their fingers to their temples. Oh, my, my cheeks. Oh, they were up here. But, like, yeah, now they're on your cheeks. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Why is this Arrow? I'm going like this. Hey. Oh. 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 Anyway. So... <laughs> One day, we'll, we'll put, like, if we ever get, like, a crazy amount of patrons, we'll make a new Patreon goal that will, like, screen cat. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, or, like, screen record us recording. Yeah, I feel like um, it would be fun for people. If anyone ever does the $15 uh, thing that's not, who's not Riley, they can ask us five questions and we'll record a video for them, but no one's uh, been a $15 patron, which, like, I get it, but... Uh, but you could see goofy ass videos of us. Um, which let me tell you, they're delightful. Cause we're delightful. We are delightful. I'm a uh, goddamn delight. Okay, continue. What so, happens? Yeah. So Arrow's like, "Hey Edward, you want to be a part of Volturi?" And Edward's like, "No." And he's like, "Hey Alice, what about you? Your power is also very cool." Uh, he actually thinks her power is like much cooler than it actually is. Like, yeah, he definitely thinks it's way more effective than it is. I don't. Yeah, he like and and this like comes up again at the end of the chapter, but he seems to not realize that it's just sort of like it. It's hit or miss. Like, or maybe it could he be thinks anything. that he could like. Maybe he thinks that he could like train her up somehow. I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyways, so he's like, perhaps you, and uh, she's like, nah, and then he's like, Bella, and uh. And everyone's like, excuse? And then the fuck? He's like, he's like, what? She's fucking rad. None of us can use powers on her. If we turn her vampire, it'd probably be fucking sick. Like, there's some potential here. Like, maybe yeah, she wouldn't like, be that great, but maybe she'd be awesome. Like, then he's like, he hasn't seen prospective talent so promising since uh, we found Jane and Alec. And Jane's like, okay, fuck and you, so, bitch. Like, right, yeah, Jane's really fucked up about that. But I have some questions about him saying that. Because, like, does this mean... So he says... That Jane and Alec were promising talent, which, like, do the Volturi actively seek out humans that have, like, certain human characteristics that they think would be good vampire abilities and then turn them into vampires in order to bolster their vampire army? I think so. I think that's, like, the implication here. Yeah, that seems to be. So they're like, well, so then I wonder do about we know the, like, like... Wait, do we know, like, um... Caius's powers? I don't think so. Yeah, so Marcus has, like, relationship reading. Um, Arrow can read people's minds if he touches them. I don't know what Caius's is. Um, yeah, okay, so while you do that, my other question is, and, like, I know that we know the answer to this because we've read the rest of the series, but I'm curious in this moment, again, because Arrow is the only character about whose motives I, like, have any actual vested interest, I was reading that and I'm like, what does Arrow think Bella's vampire superpower would be based on the fact that other people's powers don't work on her? Like, what is he assuming is going to happen when she gets turned into a vampire? Um, I think, I don't think he particularly has an idea. I think he's just fucking curious. Like, mm -hmm. that's kind of my interpretation is that he's like, that's probably useful. Like, Let's see I what happens. Yeah, I feel like he's just kind of like, that's fucking interesting. I feel like Arrow gives me the impression of someone who's just like, that's interesting. I want to watch this play out. I'm very bored. I've watched all the soaps. Like, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, I think that tracks, though. This is why I find him so interesting, is because he's, like, he doesn't really strike me as a classic villain, right? Mm-hmm. In the same way that, like, in in Twilight, James is just, like, a straight-up villain, right? He has an evil motive. He's trying to kill Bella in order to make Edward mad. But, like, Arrow doesn't... I don't he's think Caius has like a power. A, Pure villain. You said you don't think that Caius has a power? Though Caius has no psychic gift, Arrow was drawn to his ambition and passionate capacity to hate, which was a great potential for manipulation in what could in what could be both a weakness and a strength. So I think he literally I think that that's on the wiki. So I think that implies that Arrow literally is just like thinking very like personality wise even of just like not even I like just that it says that he was drawn to his tremendous capacity to hate. Yeah, so not even just like power, but like just thinking like you have traits that I think could be useful if manipulated correctly. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's what he thinks about Bella. Anyways, um, is it time for me to keep talking about what happens? It's time for you to keep. Yeah, tell us what happens next. Um. So Edward um, is very indignant at the join or die premise um, and says something about their laws. And Kai says that Bella knows too much. And Edward points out that there are other humans like the receptionist who are in on the secret. And Kai explains that their situations are different because those humans are essentially just like snacks in progress. And um, he literally they're says... Just like, they're just like getting warm in the oven. Yeah. He's like, the oven's preheating. Untoasted bagel bites. Um, but when they're no longer useful to us, they'll serve to sustain us. And since Edward clearly plans to neither uh, eat or turn her into a vampire, um, she's got to get got. Um, so Arrow intervenes and says that if Edward does intend to turn Bella, then that changes things. Um, he's like, and not even like necessarily immediately, but just like pretty soon. And if he intends to do that, it means that then he, Bella, and Alice are free to leave. And so Bella is like, please, God, mean it. Um, where the Edward would rather uh, they all die than change her, which is, I think, true. Um, yeah. And as Edward is standing there, kind of just, like, contemplating or, like, not sure what to do, um, Alice steps forward with her hands outstretched to let Arrow read her thoughts, and when he steps away, he seems pleased, indicating that apparently her future visions are enough proof that Bella will eventually end up a vampire, which... Wait. And so Bella's, like, in this anxiety spiral while this is happening, where she's like, doesn't he recognize that Alice's powers are fallible? Which, like, bitch, you better hope he doesn't. Like, Right. So, God. yeah. And so, yes, and so Bella, queen of misaligned priorities swan, in this moment, she spends, like, an entire paragraph worried about Edward's reaction to her becoming a vampire. Because she's like, why won't he just say that he's going to turn me? Why doesn't he want to turn me? Like, and she goes, um, she worries that death was to him a better alternative than having me around forever, an immortal annoyance. And honestly, quite honestly, I almost have sympathy for Bella in this moment because this is some textbook relationally anxious bullshit where she's like assuming that someone would literally rather subject himself and two other people to gruesome death than ever entertain the possibility of like hanging out with her. Mood. It's a mood. So God. Anyways. So, she's the worst. Um, Caius promises that they'll be visiting the clone sh- uh, soon to ensure that they fill their end of the agreement. Um Although it just seems like Caius, it doesn't seem like Arrow's that concerned. Um, so 
Arrow asks that they wait until the sun goes down to Louise Volturi Castle slash corporate campus. Um, and Arrow mentions that someone named Heidi is on her way back. Um, and Ever tries to leave immediately in the hopes of avoiding her, but no dice, unfortunately. Instead, they watch as a group of about 40 tourists enter the chamber they've all been in. And Bella immediately understands that these are a bunch of humans who've been lured there to be eaten. Um, yeah, and then love this little uh, slut shaming of describing uh, Heidi's outfit, a short miniskirt and close-fitting vinyl top, and calling her bait. Um, also- Yeah, they're like, oh, she went fishing for victims. Yeah, also, it was like, um, shit, how did I want to- Which also is, like, weird, considering that the only tourist we see- that we actually get described as like a woman with like a rosary who seems like who's like very religious and like and I'm like yep. how is she brought in by this person like <laughs> I thought it was gonna be like yeah all how men. is she lured in by a woman in a mini skirt and tights and a and a vinyl tube top um but also yeah so like Bella's like noticing this and uh what is <laughs> What really blew my mind while reading this is that she's like, oh shit, all these people are gonna die. Also, let me describe how hot and statuesque Heidi looks um, yeah. for significantly longer than I am concerned with the 40 people about to be fucking murdered behind me. Um, so Edward leads him down to the hallway towards the reception area, uh, but don't make it out fast enough to miss the screaming, which is where the chapter ends. Yeah, that's it. That's it for the chapter. Do you have a favorite part? I do. I do have a favorite part. And it is, once again, a phrase that just reminded me of how... So, okay, again, as I was reading this chapter, like, in some of the descriptions of the um, lobby of the of the Volturi Hyatt Hotel, um, I was like, you know, this setting seems really ugly but i once again really like appreciate stephanie meyer's talent in doing descriptions of setting and then immediately after that there was a phrase where she describes jane's laugh and she says the sound sparkled with delight like a baby's cooing how is stephanie meyer so good at writing descriptions of setting and so horrifyingly awful at describing anything else it sparkled with delight like a baby's cooing what uh i can kind of picture it but i don't like it yeah like i is she i don't understand it's also like a weird like uh attempts to continuously infantilize jane but anyway what was your favorite part of this chapter Honestly, it's definitely when Arrow asks Bella to join, and then Caius across the room, and it says he says it in, like, a flat, neutral tone. So Arrow's like, Bella, would you like to join? And Caius just like, what? <laughs> it just makes me laugh. It just makes me laugh to just, like, picture all these, like, fucking extra-ass vampires, and then they're like, all this crazy shit's happening in the stone chamber, and he's just like, what? Just like it makes me laugh when the fucking ancient-ass vampire was like, dibs! Like, <laughs> I, yes, I love Felix calling dibs on eating Bella. It's very good. Anyways, oh, chapter two called Flight. What's that about? Tell me how it starts. Oh, God. Just some fucking bullshit. Um, so, Dimitri, who's one of the Volturi guard, who um, he, like, walks, 
yeah, he like walks them out. He leaves them back in the lobby of the Hyatt, um, which I will remind you again is just a fucking weird ass upscale reception area. Um, the human receptionist, Gianna, is eyeing them a bit, but mostly she's just acting like it's nothing weird. Um, and I wonder how often they have other vampire visitors in Volterra and how used to seeing other vampires Gianna is. Like, does she recognize that Edward and Alice are vampires? I mean, she has to, but yeah. But yeah, and also, again, it begs the question, what is this reception area for? Is this where they, like, take the tourists through? Like, what do the tourists think this building is? Does it matter because they're about to get eaten anyway? I just want to know. But I also just want to know, like, how often do vampires come here? Because it's like, is it just, like, is she used to having vampires in the lobby who aren't the Volterra? Like, is that something that she's just like, oh, yes, another vampire, whatever. Or is this, like, a, why is there another vampire here? Like, I'm just curious. Um, Yeah. So Bella, unbeknownst to even herself at first, is deeply distraught. Her body is shaking wildly. She's like, I wonder if this is what Jacob's like when he's about to explode into a wolf. Oh, God, I fucking hated that. Um, And she's sobbing uncontrollably, but it takes her a lot of time to recognize that that is, come, like, that is happening to her body. Uh, which tracks for Bella, who has a history of dissociating after traumatic yes. situations. Um, which I don't fucking blame her for it makes a lot of no, sense because um, she just saw 40 people get eaten by a bunch of vampires or her and, and she just barely escaped being killed by them herself um yes. so for some reason alice is just like hey edward <laughs> take care of your fucking human she's going to pieces slap her or something she's clearly hysterical yeah i um, literally alice is like why not just like slap her that'll probably help like, not even once tries to be like, hey, Bella, are you okay? I know you just almost got murdered. It's just like, hey, she's fucking hysterical. Slap her. I'm fucking Maybe sick of this her. shit. Um, so luckily, Edward actually just tries to calm Bella down by holding her and repeating that things are okay now, instead of just jumping to telling her to snap out of it. Um, which seemed like, uh... Again, another instance where Edward is actually maybe is actually like doing the right thing and like yeah, it's well. So it's really interesting to me, and like this goes on, but I just want to pause here for a moment to say that yeah, like this chapter is the first time that we see Edward have any kind of like appropriate emotional reaction to Bella's response to something frightening. Mm-hmm. Like, he actually is being, like, comforting and telling her that it's okay and, like, holding her. And I truly wonder if this is, like, if the writing is meant to, like, overcompensate for him having been gone for so many chapters. Like, they're trying to, like, make you buy back in to their relationship by making him, like, sweet and kind in this moment. So that you immediately forgive him for, like, abandoning and gaslighting the fuck out of Bella. Like, Perhaps. it seems like an intentional choice. It also could just be that he has different reasons for doing the things that he's doing. Like, one, he's, like, actually selfishly excited to be have Bella near him again, and so he is just trying to take care of her. Uh, because he always kind of was very, like, patronizing in that sense, and this would play into that as well. Um, also, before, when he was like, why don't you ask her? He could have just been being, like, a snotty little asshole who's like, I don't fucking know, ask her. Like, don't yeah. fucking whatever. But anyways, I don't even sure... I almost, like, want to give him the benefit of the doubt, which is bad. But anyways, um... So, also, okay, so yeah, so 
you know, he's whatever, he's helping her. But considering they're in the vampire reception area and they don't really need to be pretending for anyone, I thought it was pretty absurd that Alice wasn't okay with Bella just sobbing it out after yeah. nearly dying and watching 40 odd people be led to their deaths. But, you know, to each their own. And I do kind of say, well, though. And I think that, like, yeah. well, in the, so in the last episode, we talked about sort of, like, what we thought about Alice and, like, Alice's motives and her character and whether or not mm-hmm. she actually cares about or wants to be Bella's friend. And I feel like this is another instance in which it's very clear that she does not give a shit about Bella. Oh, I don't actually, agree. like, only extends care to Bella when it benefits her or, like, her motives in, like, protecting or saving Edward. So, like, now that Edward is fine, she's like, Bella, get yourself together. Shut the fuck up. What's wrong with you? She, like, doesn't care at all Yeah, about I definitely her. agree. In fact, I gotta say, though, like, we know that Alice, like, Alice became a vegan vampire because she, like, saw in a vision that she, like, did that. So, like, she just did it. She's like, oh, this is that's gonna happen. I saw it. Um... And that's why she joined the Collins. And that's why I gotta say, like, I don't actually know that I have any real evidence that she actually has any moral qualms with eating humans. Mm-mm. Like, because I'm being honest, it kind of feels more like an aesthetic, for lack of a better word, choice for her. Like, it's just yeah. like, oh, like, this is who I am. I'm, like, a cool vampire who doesn't eat Right, humans. like, I think, like, I think that her decision to not eat humans is, like, it's... She chooses to do that because that's what is required of her to be able to stay within her family structure. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that she actually has any moral reprehension towards the idea of killing and eating humans. I think she chooses not to do it because it means that then she gets to stay with Jasper. And specifically I, yeah. Jasper. I mean, she brought Jasper there in the first place, but the, she was the one who found him and was like... Right. But still, though, I I get the sense that she's very neutral to to it either way. Like she, I feel like she's very neutral to eating humans. I feel like she's very neutral to not eating humans. I feel like she's just like this is what is currently helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Like so, yeah, I think all of her decisions really seem about sort of like protecting her own self interest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Bella's like understandably super upset. Um, She's traumatized, but of course, as usual, she's not so traumatized that she doesn't have time to think about how goddamn hot she thinks Edward is. She says, and I quote, I knew it was stupid to react like this. Who knew how much time I had left to look at his face? He was saved and I was saved and he could leave me as soon as we were free. To have my eyes so filled with tears that I could not see his features clearly was wasteful. Insanity. Um, insanity, God. What the fuck? off. How is it stupid to cry if you nearly got murdered and just saw an entire trooper be led to be fucking eaten? Secondly, even if you somehow got over that, tears of release seem like a totally normal reaction. And honestly, sobbing uncontrollably and being completely overwhelmed seems like the only rational reaction to the crazy series of events that just occurred. And then lastly, Bella, how is your first thought in any situation, no matter how dire, just being horny as shit for Edward? Like, it just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Her level of self-criticism is fucking wild. Like, she's upset with herself for being in absolute hysterics about witnessing the literal massacre of 40 tourists because crying and being upset means that she's wasting the time that she has left with Edward before he inevitably leaves her again. Like, holy shit, Bella. Go to therapy. My God. Like... I have had times where, like, I'm upset about something, and I'm whistling, I'm like, god damn it, I'm wasting this, like, the good time I could have with you, because we only have limited time, but the thing I'm upset over, usually, is something like, oh, I'm upset for something very minor, uh, that I'm 
can't regulate right now. And not like, oh, I'm upset because I almost just got murdered and a bunch of people right. absolutely did get murdered uh, about three minutes ago. Like, God. So, she, yeah, literally, she stares down the face of death and is like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm looking at death right now when I should be looking at Edward and his beautiful face. That's literally what she's saying. Oh so, my God. Only after she laments over how little time she'll have to look upon Edward's perfect visage does Bella express how upsetting it was to see all those people get led to their deaths right in front of her. And so we get a few lines about this before the human Gianna uh, comes over and asks if they need anything. Um, and Bella is like, Edward, does she know what's going on here? And Edward's like, yeah, she actually super does. And she's hoping that they'll turn her into a vampire someday too. But she also knows that it's like a very strong possibility that they might just eat her. And Bella's, like, in total disbelief that she can see what's going on here with all the murdering and stuff and still want to become a vampire, which is hilarious to me. Fucking hilarious. Because I don't believe for a second that if Edward were still- One, I don't- Well, she has no self-awareness. Like, Edward's face changes and she- Yeah, and she's like, I don't know why his facial expression changed. And it's like, Bella, you fucking idiot. But, like, I do get that there's obviously a difference between, like, what they are doing and what the Collins are doing. But still, I don't believe- Yeah, but I also don't think that, like- I don't think it matters to her. Yeah, I don't believe for a second that if Edward were still eating bad people, quote unquote, that uh, Bella wouldn't totally get over that and want to be a vampire still. I feel like at this point, like, her attachment to him is so unhealthy and codependent that she is willing to justify any of his behavior. Like, yeah. If he went back to killing and eating people, she'd be like, oh, it's fine. I just want to be with him. He's, like, doing it because he loves me or, like, some I, fucking bullshit. I will say, though, that this gave me... Like, Gianna and her situation did give me the thought that maybe Bella isn't actually as much of a dumb bitch as we take her for. And actually, the vampire influence over humans is just a lot stronger than we realize because it's from Bella's perspective. So maybe it's actually not that Bella is just like a fucking idiot. Maybe it's just that their sexy, irresistible vampire energy makes it so, like, all humans who they interact with are just, like, totally under their hot, bloodthirsty spell. And it's just part of the vampire powers that, like, people around them are like, please God, I want to be a vampire. Because then they like, would be, like, willing to be bitten. Oh. Like, you well, you think, like, sexy breath makes you want to be a vampire because then you're drawn to the vampires and they have, you're, like, willing to let them eat you? Or, like, yeah, or, like, it somehow influences, like, your brain. Like... I mean, I will say that, like, with Bella, with, like, Edward being gone for so long, and Bella still having those feelings, that does change things a bit, but also, there's, like, I think it could be both. I think it could Mm. be that the vampire powers make people more susceptible to, like, want to be around and accepting of these things, and also that they have a horrible uh, relationship and Bella needs therapy for years. Um... This is a both-hand situation. Yeah, so the next few pages are basically just filled with Bella being upset and thinking about how hot Edward is and egging over to what she sees as fact, that he is going to leave her right after this. Uh, Despite the fact that Edward has given no indication that that's his plan, and he's literally just sitting there, and she's like, yeah, he's just sitting there and holding me and kissing me over and over again, like kissing my head and my hand and my wrist and my whatever. And she's still thinking that he doesn't want to be with her, and that he'll be looking to book it the very first second that he can. Yeah, like, it's fucking wild to me that Bella's unquestioned assumption is that Edward is going to leave her again. Like, she assumes that she's going to be alone again. She says, like... Oh, it's, it's probably a good thing that he's not kissing me on the mouth because it's just going to be harder to actually kiss him when I'm alone again to have to remember this. But I think that, like, to me, this unquestioned assumption really speaks 
so clearly to how much damage Edward has done to Bella's psyche and her sense of self-worth. Like she is in a position where she is literally unable to believe that she's deserving of the love and affection and attention that he's showing her in this moment immediately after a significant trauma. And she assumes that it must just be fake and that he's just doing it to make her feel better because he's inevitably planning to leave her again. And also... Bella responds to every single emotion that she has during this waiting period with some variation of the phrase, this is stupid. Like, she's Which, like laying honestly, in- can relate. I do that to myself all I the time. mean, yeah, right. Like, she, she starts crying out of relief that she's back with Edward and that they're both alive. And her immediate reaction to herself is, it was such a stupid reaction. Like, she's so quick to judge and invalidate every single emotion that she has. And it's honestly hard to read- And I think it's because it's such a relatable feeling, right? Like, I think it points to one of the more insidious things that this book normalizes, which is the idea that having perfectly valid and reasonable emotions makes you in some way weak or hysterical or stupid. Like, every time Bella has any kind of negative emotion, she's like, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. I shouldn't be crying. I shouldn't be upset about this. And it's like, this is a thing that I spent years of my life unlearning. Like this is, I think, for many of us, like, I'm definitely our... still unlearning that. I, yeah, I really like I'm this, not, like, I'm, I'm like today. still actively working on doing this. Like in general, I think for many of us, our immediate first response to having any sort of emotion is to be like, "What the fuck? This is so stupid. I shouldn't feel like this. Why do I feel like this?" And to try to judge ourselves out of the emotion, which doesn't work, right? And so, like, this is the thing that I have to work on in my own personal life. It's a thing that I do all the time in my practice with my clients is to try to like unlearn these automatic negative judgments about totally valid emotional reactions that we're having to difficult experiences. But like, to normalize that as just like, oh, this is just how Bella relates to herself. Like, yeah, you're right. She is stupid for crying when she should be making out with Edward or like some bullshit. Like, it's just so upsetting to see yeah. this normalized. I hate it. Yeah. Real as fuck. Um, at one point during this waiting period, uh, Edward explains the phrase. Can you pronounce it for me? I think it's La Tua Cantante. Thank you. That Arrowhead used. Because like Alice is like, what was this singer shit that he was talking about? And Edward explains that it is used to mean that Bella's blood sings to Edward. You're and Alice stupid. just fucking laughs. Like, it's all it says is, like, Alice laughed at that. Which I thought was fucking hysterical. And also more evidence that Alice does not see Bella as an equal at all. And that she just thinks her brother is fucking around as human because he super wants her blood. But he has to practice right. restraint. And he just likes to have her around. It's like Edward quit smoking and to get over it to start dating his favorite cigarette brand. Um... <laughs> So, Wait, quick, quick pause. What kind of cigarettes do you think that Edward Cullen would smoke? I mean, my initial thought was American Spheres, but then I, yeah. because he's pretentious, but I actually think that's incorrect. Um, I think that he would, um, fuck, why can't I think of what it's called? It's like an old one that'd be hard to find. Um, we should put it, we'll put it on the Twitter, Twitter poll. What kind of cigarettes do you think that Edward Cullen smokes? Edward Cullen doesn't smoke cigarettes. Uh, it's impure. It's um it's a metaphor. Oh, uh, it's a gum. <laughs> you put the thing that kills you directly in front of you, but you don't actually allow it to tempt you into sucking all of its blood out like a human juice box. God. Did I John hate how Green well write that, Twilight? I hate how well that fucking <laughs> Ugh. 
Yeah, no, it's really bad. Uh, so another, yeah, another important part of the section uh, is, surprise, surprise, Bella talking about wanting to die if this time she's spending oh with God. Edward ends. And it's so casual. God, as always. Uh, she says that if the moment they're currently in has to end, she would like to just stop existing as well. She also says that she would rather be eaten by Edward right mm-hmm. then and there than move mm-hmm. a few yards over and sit near Alice. And like, I get it. I don't see my partner too often when I do. I don't like him to be too far away from me, but I can't say I've ever (laughs) once preferred the idea of him murdering me to the idea of sitting across the room from him. Seems a bit extreme, maybe. Maybe a little counterproductive to the desire for your time together to continue. Maybe influenced by some fetishes rather than rational thinking. I don't know. Just spitballing. Just like... (laughs) God, I hate her so much. Okay, so eventually Alec... Comes out from the weird circular chamber of death. Um, <laughs> and he says this, he's like, all right, fam, it's dark now. You guys can leave. Um, the, like, red flag cop festival is still going on outside, but now people are wearing dark cloaks and, like, jamming or some shit. I don't know. Um, so Alice slips away to go find their belongings that she had stowed somewhere in the bushes, I guess. And Bella's fucking psyched. She's like, oh my god, I forgot that I'm gonna have access to a toothbrush. I love dental hygiene. She literally is like, I feel so much better now that I can brush my teeth. And I'm like, really? That's that's the thing? You almost just got murdered and you watched 40 people get eaten and you're like, you know what? It's fine though because I can brush my teeth. So like, I'm Thank chill. God I got some dry shampoo in this bitch. Um, oh my god. Amazing. So I, I just love that they take the time to give attention to that detail in this moment. Um, so they leave town. Alice steals another car. Bella totally refuses to sleep. She's like, no, I'm not tired. I'm fine. I'm not tired. Um, and they get on the plane and she still refuses to sleep. In fact, she tries not to blink, which is fucking horrifying. Like she's just sitting on the plane drinking Coke. And also like one subtle fucking red flag is that like Edward's like, she says that Edward says her name disapprovingly because he doesn't like her drinking caffeine because he knows how it affects her. And it's just like this tiny little subtle controlling manipulation. I didn't take it that way. I I took it as like him being like, Bella, you need to fucking sleep. Oh, yeah. That's not how I read that. I definitely, because she was like, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to sleep the whole car ride. Then she gets on the plane. She's like, I would like a Coke, please, or whatever. And he's like, Bella. Like, just go the fuck to sleep. So yeah. I didn't take it as, I didn't take it that part as a red flag. I just took it as, like, a normal fucking thing to do for, like, anyone you care about to be like, go the fuck to sleep. Maybe Me, all I of just last be- night being like, y'all, stop. Stop. You don't need to be here for this part of the stream. Go to sleep. <laughs> do it. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, so she's just, like, drinking a Coke and staring at Edward like he's a goddamn weeping angel refusing to blink. Um, she also mentions that she has things that she wants to ask him and like questions that she really needs answers to and that she finally might have an opportunity to talk to him about. But she says that she would rather ask them later to extend their time together. And also part of it is that she's like, I don't want to ask him because I kind of don't want to know the answers. And again, relatable. Yeah. And she's also like, I just want to extend my time together. I know it's because I'm fucking tired and not thinking straight, but right now it sounds like a good idea. I thought it was kind of funny that she had the self-awareness to be like, this is stupid. I'm just sleepy. Like, um, (laughs) so when they get to the airport, the Collins are all waiting for them and making a fuss about Bella and stuff and whatever. And, um, uh, Edward and Bella are like sort of conned into taking a ride back with Rosalie and Emmett. Um, even though like neither of them want to, and Rosalie apologizes, and Bella, like, immediately forgives her. She's like, oh, maybe I'll create, like, I put the wrong, <laughs> sorry. Um, 
Um, she's like, yeah, maybe I'll get some points. Um, with Rosalie for like forgiving her. And Everett's like, Rosalie doesn't fucking count unless she's awake enough to know what the hell is going on. Yeah, because Bella's just, like, leaning on Edward and, like, mumbling. She's like, yeah, it's fine. That's fine. I forgive you. I'm sleepy. Like, Yeah. <laughs> and Edward's like, no, she has to be conscious for it to count. And what I did think was interesting here, going back to what you were saying earlier, is that this is the second or actually maybe, no, the second time in a short period of time that Edward is respecting Bella's autonomy and trying to ensure that she has the ability to make her own decisions. Yeah. Granted, it might just be because Edward doesn't forgive Rosalie and is like, no, fuck you, Bella. Doesn't count till later or whatever. But I did think that was interesting. And, like, maybe Edward did some growing while he was away. Like, we can only fucking hope. I mean, he's gonna undo all of it in the next book. But I, again, like, I really, I actually wondered as I was reading this chapter if some of these things are, like, a strategic choice in characterization so that as the reader we're more quick to forgive him for abandoning her. Right? Like, he shows back up and he's, like, so warm and loving and respectful and, like, thoughtful about her autonomy and, like, wanting to make sure that she can make her own decision about, like, arrow reading her thoughts and about deciding whether or not to forgive Rosalie. And it's, like, these things seem pretty out of character for him. And so it makes me wonder if it was an intentional writing choice to get us to feel more endeared to him. I think Because, that like, would we imply... really have to, like, she really has to win back our favor quickly. I think that would imply that Stephanie Meyer realized that we thought that he was a shitlord in the first book, which I don't think that he Yeah, was. that's that's actually a pretty, uh, that's an assumption that maybe is unfair for me to make. Um, so they get back to the Swan House. Like, Bella passes the fuck out and she's like, the next thing... I realized um, Edward was opening the door and picking me up and carrying me inside. She doesn't know where they are until she hears Charlie's voice. And Charlie is rightfully furious. Like, he is so mad. He's like, how fucking dare you show your face back here? He's yelling at Edward. He's like, how could you even think that you could come back here? He's like, what the fuck did you do to Bella? She can't even stand up. She's not conscious. And Edward's like, oh, she's just tired. Like, she's exhausted because she's stubborn and stupid and refused to sleep. But Bella's, like, clinging to Edward's neck and, like, refuses to let go of him. Charlie's not having it. He's, like, done with this hot vampire bullshit. He's like, come inside, Bella. So Edward's like, all right, fine. So he puts her down and Edward, like, um tries to let her walk inside and she almost immediately like falls face first into the sidewalk. So Edward catches her and he's like, all right, Charlie, like just let me carry her inside and then I'll leave. I promise. And Bella's like, no, you can't leave. And then he like whispers in her ear that he won't be far away or whatever. So he carries her upstairs. Bella passes out. Which I will say um, as a sleepy bitch, I am also that way. (laughs) I, if my, if my hot vampire boyfriend were carrying me and was like, okay, I'm just going to carry this leave. I'd be like, no, you can't leave. You can't. You can't. Do you know how many times I said to Chris today, like, don't go back to Iowa. Come with me. Leave. I was so Yeah, but also, like, you're... <laughs> but also, uh, you don't have an abusive hot vampire boyfriend, uh, like, while your dad is yelling about how he fucking sucks. So, That's confounding true. factors. Um, but yeah, that's the end of the chapter. He just, like, lays her down in bed and that's it. Yeah. Uh, do you have a what? favorite part of the fucking chapter? I do. I have, I extremely have a favorite part of this chapter. Okay, so, Alice steals another car on their way out of Volterra, and so she steals a car that is not as flashy as the one that she stole on their way in, and she's, like, really disappointed that she couldn't steal a fancier car. And so Edward's like, don't worry, I'll buy you that other fancy car for Christmas. 
Um, and she's like, make sure it's yellow. And he's like, okay. And I remember how much I hate these motherfuckers. Like, I hate them and they have so much fucking money. And then I thought oh, to so myself. So many people just died. Yeah, so many people just died. And Alice is like, well, you buy me a yellow car for Christmas. And I just, as I was sitting there being mad about them and their fucking money, I thought to myself, how much better would this series be if it were about Bella seducing a rich vampire uh, getting him to turn her into a vampire and then using her new vampire powers to kill the rich and redistribute their wealth and start a Volturi union. Socialist Bella Swan, when? When? This is very good. It also kind I of think reminds me of Marceline. Of what? Marceline. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not what she's doing. Better. But, like, it reminds me of that, kind of just taking the vampire powers to kill the vampires and then uh, to stop the redistributing movie. their wealth. Um, my favorite part, again, is just the fucking Edward being like, oh yeah, Bella's blood sings for me, and Alice being like, this is fucking bullshit, her blood sings for you, okay, <laughs> cool, yeah, awesome, fucking ridiculous. Um, so yeah, that was that episode. Um, would you like to hear about the, yeah, what the, are the titles of the last two chapters of this book? Yeah, and a really so, long ass ch- epilogue. Why is there... Of like twenty something page epilogue for a book that is part of a series. Mm-hmm. I also think, like whenever I tell people how long these books are, they're just fucking bewildered. I don't actually know if it's we're gonna have one or two more episodes because it's kind of like a lot of pages. It's like sixty eight pages. It's a lot of pages, which is a lot. But also, like splitting it up would be like really short. And like, yeah, I don't know. We're gonna have to play. It okay, so. So chapter 22, chapter 23, sorry, is called The Truth. Chapter 24 is called Vote. And the epilogue is called Treaty. So that part is obvious. The treaty part is clear. Yeah. I don't remember. Is Victoria coming back in this fucking book? Or do they just, like, forget about that whole plot line until it flips? I think, like, yeah, they, like, there's, like, no mention of Victoria in the chapters that we've read. Um, she was, like, apparently trying to kill Bella, but then, like, I don't know. Emma's I don't know. I like, genuinely don't remember if she comes back in the last two chapters. And she's just, like, killing hikers and people are dying and stuff. Like. But, like, but it's fine because Bella's not in danger and she's the only one that matters. So, like, whatever. What I really want to know is will the Collins buy Edward, not Edward, sorry, will the Collins buy Jacob new shoes? Because. I. They listen. fucking owe all they of do. the werewolves shoes. I feel like they should, I, okay, here's what I want. I want, talking about redistribution of wealth, I think that the Cullens should take a bunch of their money and create, like, a clueless-style, like, giant closet for all of the werewolves. Although this could just end up being, like, when Veronica donates clothes to the, what does she refer to them as? fashionably misguided or something when she like, buys all the clothes for the serpents but then it's just like uniforms and really weird and ugly and I'm like how did this happen like oh my god um I want Veronica Lodge to make vampire uniforms I want Veronica Lodge to be a vampire do you think that there's Riverdale um Twilight crossover fanfiction um I think there might be but there's not a lot of it or if there is I don't remember. Probably. We should look because I would, I would like, I still haven't put up Riverdale Twilight crossover fanfiction for Summer Crossover. Of course I would. Hey, if anyone wants to write, uh, Riverdale, uh, um, Twilight Twilight crossover crossover fanfiction, we will absolutely read it on the Patreon. A thousand percent. 
yeah, uh, and do that as an episode. And even if you're not a patron, but you wrote that episode, we'll clearly give you the file. Obviously. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So speaking of, um, patreon.com slash podcast is our Patreon. Um, if we, I made a new goal recently. Uh, if we hit $100 uh, per month, um, I will write car crash fetish fan fiction. And this was inspired okay, because listen, we read y'all... the Fast and the Furious one. Hmm. Oh, no, I just I'm really excited about the prospect of, of you writing car crash fetish fan fiction. So what I don't like... know if you've read, but I wrote fan fiction for Chris's Extra Life. So Chris, I don't think that I did read that. Oh, it's in the Discord. So if you join us on Discord, uh, if you go to the pin messages, you can find a fanfic that I wrote for Alien Happy Hours Extra Life because Alien Happy Hour has like Alien Happy Hour Wrestling Federation, which is like the show that um, Chris does, and the ref they refer to as coworker Brian, and they were like right. Uh, co- so for one of their like incentives, I wrote fanfic. Uh, it's crossing over Twilight and uh, HWF, and so that show is like famous like characters wrestling and so i did bella wrestling dark betty oh and jacob was bella's manager oh my god and like brian coworker brian is having like an existential crisis on the mat it's good um you can read it so that way you can go read it see if you want to see more of that fan fiction or that's you know you can see my skills at fan fiction and then give us money so i can write car crash finish fan fiction please um also, Nothing would make me happier. You can follow us on Twitter at STBC Podcast. Um, our Twitter is really good, and honestly, it is so good. You should just go to it. It's very, very good. I'm very proud of it. Um, yeah, and people also- send us really good Twilight tweets to retweet on our podcast Twitter. So if you're not following us, y'all are missing out. Yeah, and we just post on shit too, which is always good. Um, also, yeah. go check out the other podcasts on the OrangeGrowth.com. There's so many good ones. There's a lot of them are yeah. kind of like ending and switching over and getting new ones. So like, I'm not even sure which one I want to plug right now. Plus, I just hung out with everybody, so I'm like, I want to plug all of your podcasts. Like, go listen to Argonauts and go listen uh, to Nervous Rex and go listen to Sugar going on podcasting and go listen to a uh, uh, fucking LGBT time machine and sequentially and all of them. They're all fucking good. They're all great. Everyone's wonderful. More Citizen Hank when. Um, <laughs> More Citizen about. Hank when. Massive oh, jury if you want to get on the next season. Um, I think that I, there are still episodes available. Uh, I will. Recall. I love I love Jory, I love Citizen Hank. I love when King I saw Hill. I am I seriously contemplated the other day. I was like, could I get a Bobby Hill tattoo? I don't know. Maybe I oh might god. do it. Oh my god, I would absolutely die if you did that. I would love it so much. Um, but when I saw <laughs> I, Jory, listen, so I love we, Bobby Hill. We got to Joe's place, and then as Chris and I were about to go in, uh, Jory Riley and Andrew were walking out, and so I, like, ran around, uh, but I kind of forgot they hadn't seen me with my short hair yet, and so they didn't even recognize me at first. I was just, like, some <laughs> fucking crazy stranger running at them from behind a car, and I just, like, because I always have a mini backpack on, I literally, like, threw it at Riley, and I was like, hold this! And then I just jumped on top of Jory, like, just, like, <laughs> just, like, full-body wraparound, and I was just, I was so excited. Jory is the fucking best. Um, yeah, listen to Citizen Jory Hank. sends me so many wonderful Snapchats of rain, and they just make me so very happy. Mm-hmm. Both of them. They're so great. Yes. Yes. Very good. Very good human. Listen to Casual uh, Wrestling. Oh, wait. Is it Casual Wrestling Fan Podcast? Yes, I believe so. Um, anyways, there's a wrestling podcast on our network. Listen to that one. It's Jory and Cam. They're both very good. 
uh, or Citizen Hank, which both of us are on, and it's fucking wonderful. It's so and good, you guys. We just, we love Jory. We love all, uh, everyone. I, everyone's so good. You're all um, wonderful. We love you, our listeners. Thanks for um, tolerating our fucked up podcasting schedule. Um, if you would like us to make this podcast more regularly, which I would love to do, if everybody could just, like, send some vibes out into the universe to tell it to, like, stop being so fucking terrible to us, that would be great. I would love that. Uh, but then we'll give you more vampire content. Because... We know it's what you crave. Also, very excited. Kat and I will be back in the same state um, in a short number of weeks, uh, which means that you all can look forward to us recording at least one episode in the same place. I think it'll the timing will probably actually work out for us to watch New Moon together in person, and I'm so fucking I want to invite Andrew and to other people over to watch it with us because it's going to have like, a viewing party. So Yes, I think that would be very fun. I'm very excited. Yes. Um, Thank you. Thanks for listening. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. I'm Cam. I'm Jory. And we're the hosts of CWFP. The Casual Wrestling Fan Podcast, your weekly universe-friendly alternative for WWE wrestling recaps, discussion, and riffs from two friends who just love wrestling. And occasionally also New Japan, Impact, and All Elite Thoughts as well. If you're tired of Marks constantly booing a product they (laughs) regularly support and pay for, you can find us hosted on the Orange Groves Network or through your preferred podcasting app. Wait, why won't The Undertaker stop booing the company?